What is truth? Truth is reality. It can be confirmed by evidence. It is verifiable. And we seek to find it. Welcome to Uvanot Radio. Uvanot Radio is a show that takes you on a truth journey outside the matrix to examine the worlds of ufology, the paranormal, and new science. Open your mind as we search for the truth that most are afraid to discuss. This is Euphonaut Radio with Jesse Randolph and Christopher J. Brown, only on PSN Radio. Euphonaut Radio, Monday night. Welcome, everyone. Jesse Randolph here for all your ufological endeavors with my trusty companion and co-host, the Honorable Chris J. Brown. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Great. And of course, let's not forget our producer of the PSN Radio Network, Mr. Angel of Death himself, the angel of ufology or the devil of ufology, if you're uh, Andy B or Michael Horn or one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Angel Jackal Espino. How you doing there, Present buddy? and accounted for, my friend. Well, that's great. Yeah, we got us all back together again here, and uh, yeah. there's plenty to talk about. We've got a groovy guest uh, that Chris set up. I'm going to let him talk about that in a second. So let's lay the groundwork here. You know, we had a couple weeks off through the summer. Um, I was in Mexico. Um, yes. I know Angel had a very um, interesting conference that I want to get an update on. Um, yes. And foremost, and then Chris has this terrific guest, folks. Get a cup of coffee, get your tea or your decaf or whatever you're going to do tonight because if you like tech, if you like to geek out once in a while, like just about everybody does, I don't care if you're a mom or if you're a Catholic priest, well, either way, you know what I'm talking about, your phone. Imagine this for a second. Now, a lot of people out there, I'm going to give you this little teaser uh, open source, what does it mean? Okay. And I worked in the computer industry for a long time. Most of you know my background. Open source is something that really wasn't acceptable back in the day, except on an introverted level, meaning if you worked at a company, there was some open source stuff that people were trying to show you and whatnot. But what is open source? And basically, to strip away the big words for everybody, it's taking a piece of technology. Okay, and it's making it available not only from the front end, meaning the graphics and the interface where you can utilize this thing. Like if I made an iPhone and I gave it to a kid and he made a movie with it, right? That's a that's one dimensional way that I wanted the user to use this gadget, this technology. But what if I decided to turn it backwards and let him into the inner workings of the machine? And let all the brainiacs and all the geeks around the globe take this gadget without any restrictions and just to see what they'd come up with. And that's what open source is all about. Now, how does this pertain to ufology? That's the teaser tonight. But let me just throw something else out there. If you were a kid and you liked rocketry, if you liked blowing stuff up, if you liked... Who just doesn't? Think, well, I'm just throwing stuff out there to <laughs> tantalize, but you're right. Uh, the point being is that tonight is a great show to listen to because, f 
for once, because of the power of the Internet, and we hear this all the time, everybody listening tonight will have a chance, I think, to be a part of this technology because of something called open source. So that's your teaser. How did I do, guys? Amazingly amazing. Really? Ooh. I worked on that all day. Yay! That was great. With Chris Brown, like three times about it. There you go. You got it. All right. So that's coming up with our guest tonight, Mr. Dave Shock. Correct, Chris? That's his name? That's how That's you... his name, yep. What a great name, you know, Dave Shock. At first, I thought that's it was something more entertaining, uh, like he was an entertainer type of individual, but no. That's as cool, that's as, cool as Crystal Storm, my co-host on Skywalker. It is. Well, yeah, she's pretty cool. Yes, she is. We don't have that kind of cool factor. But we do have a lot of geeks that listen to this show, and I'm talking technology tonight. We're going to discuss what it's like if you're a guy who really knows about something called CubeSat satellites. CubeSat. I'm going to leave it at that. What I want to do now... And Chris, you set up this interview. Do you want to break in here and tell us anything about what you're expecting, or what you're th- why you brought them on, what you were thinking? Well, it was just like kind of just the geek thing, as you said, and it's uh, it's it's something new. It's something that everybody can get involved in. Um, Dave's a great guy, a good friend, and it's something that he's really passionate about doing. He's been out there very hard plugging it. And wanting to get this going, and I still, to be honest with you, don't know a lot about it. I've, I've done my sky watches with, uh, with him, through through Bill Forte, and you know he's talked about it and stuff. But it's, uh, you know, I, I I've not gotten all what it's all about. So I told him a while back that I would get him on a show, and either it was on Sky Watchers or Future Theater, either or two. But it just never worked out, and then, well, this one came upon, and then it was just time, and so I said, hey, get Dave on. And so here he is, and he'll be on tonight to explain uh, more about what this is about. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, and in fact, booyah, I am pasting something from Indiegogo for everybody who knows what that is. Another teaser uh, to this guest, Dave Shock. I just pasted a link in there that will give you some groovy graphics and stuff to look at before we get him on the air. But basically, Indiegogo, Kickstarter, uh, some of these crowdfunding endeavors, those are the two that really kind of shine through. Now, back in the day, I was involved with some Kickstarter-type stuff. Uh, We thought about doing some crowdfunding, and upon doing a lot of research, found that it really didn't work with a lot of different industries. But for some industries, especially what we're going to talk about tonight, it's perfect. And I still love, if you like geeky stuff, if you like gadgets, uh, Indiegogo or Kickstarter, that's a great place to look at stuff because it's almost like shopping in the future, right? You know what I'm saying, Chris? It's like uh, you go on there, you see something groovy that you've never seen before because guess what? It hasn't been invented yet, but here's yeah. the deal. You give some money to these guys, you get put on the list to get one. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a great yeah. concept because, yeah. and there's much more to it. But that's the gist of it, and that's why it doesn't work with some other industries. Is that you have to really have a tangible product or process, application, etc., that these folks want enough for them to pony up. Okay, it's not just because they think you're cool. Some of them might give you four bucks or something like that, or a dollar. But I'm talking about people who donate a hundred. 
500, 1,000, to games, to uh, things that they know they're going to get. In Portland, Oregon, where I live, where Chris is from as well, um, mm-hmm. there was a Kickstarter last year, I believe it was, or the year prior, a gentleman created something called the Coolest Cooler. Do you remember this, Chris? I don't. Okay, so it basically... I have to see it, and then I might visually... Okay, I remember that, but not the name. Okay, so basically, in a nutshell, what it was was this guy in Morgan who created a cooler that had all the bells and whistles that he thought people would want when they're going camping and such. So it had waterproof speakers, and it had a little cocktail mixer, right? And it had little plates that kind of came up out of it. And it had a great uh, luggage type holder so you could have wheels on the bottom and, and I remember pull, that pull thing, it. yeah. Now, yep, now I know yep. what it is. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yep. So this guy came up with a better mouse trap to the effect of, correct? And what he did was he puts it up there and it raises like a quadrillion dollars in like a week because it got picked up by some some wire services, got some press. But the bottom line was people wanted this damn thing. They really were willing to pony up a couple hundred bucks to go, hey, I want to be one of the first people to get this right away, right? Mm. Anyway, that's what goes into my explanation about why this guest tonight, Dave Shock, has a product. If it's still being funded, which it looks like it still needs to be, uh, that you can all be a part of. And I think it ties into uh, the SETI. Uh, software when they came out with that where you could try to monitor the stars yourself and be a part of it and a lot of people really dug that do you guys remember that at all uh, like, nope, not, nope, not ringing nope. a bell well they had like a, a piece of software that you could download and get and uh, you could actually try to tune in and listen and look at different star constellations it was oh, almost that, like yeah, 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 I remember you know that. what I mean yeah, and it yeah. was supposed to be sort of communal, and I don't know how well it worked because okay, I didn't okay. use it personally, but I know that people dig that. We'll take that to a totally different level, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. That's yeah. why it's cool. That's why it's cool. How do you affect change? How do you become a doer? This might be a cool way without having to leave your couch, which I know most of our listeners really don't like to do. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are a little slow sure. tonight. For sure. Are you most guys of, most, right? of your, most of the hosts on the network, I think, don't like to be on their couch. Yeah. You know included. what? I, I mean, there, <laughs> there is a type of ufology uh, clientele, so to speak, I would say. And uh, if we could describe the typical ufology. Well, Chris and I were talking about this today, and I would say about a quarter of ufology folks, if not more, when you go to like a conference, and this is a great segue, is uh, retirees. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. So you got a lot of old people. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah. Why? Because uh, not just because they have an interest in the subject, but because they have the time, mm-hmm. right? And yep. I think yep. there's a little psychological undertone there, subconsciously saying, "Hey, you know, I'm going to die soon. Uh, maybe I want to learn about some other things that might be going on instead of just uh, uh, Jesus and the other guy or." You know, you name it. One of the, top the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other guy. Has he started his own religion yet? Because I definitely. I, th- want to I think he has that. actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you want to join that religion. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is our segue into a terrific conference that 
uh, Angel got to go to this weekend. I want to hear all about it. I think it was MUFON sanctioned, was it not? Yes, it was actually yeah. the MUFON Symposium. Okay, so this was in Orlando, yep. correct? Correct, yep. Orlando, Florida, right in Buena Vista Lake Hotel, which is a mm-hmm. Disney property. And uh, let me tell you, it, you know, the the traffic was decent. You know, I was expecting maybe more people to show up to this thing, uh, but it had, you know, pretty good turnout. Uh, the the lectures were phenomenal. Bill Schroeder was awesome, Mr. UFO, uh, you know, he's a UFO man. Uh, and, and Alejandro Rojas was awesome. Also, he did a presentation which blew my mind. I, I sat there the whole thing, like, glued to, like, you know, to him, just uh, talking about the history of ufology and UFOs, uh, not only in this country, but in other countries and how they deal with it and how we deal with it. And uh, he's, he talked about stuff that I had no idea about, uh, like France and how they deal with UFOs and reports. And, I mean, it was just fascinating stuff. Did he talk about the Kameda report? He did. He brought that up. Yeah, it always fascinated me, and that's when... Uh... That's when France actually became on the yep. map to me because I couldn't care less about France before. You know, I didn't really want to go there, and I, I think I dated a French girl once. Didn't go very well. <laughs> well, and, you would know if you did if she had hairy armpits. I'm just saying. Oh, man. You know, when you cross that line, <laughs> there's somebody I'm telling. <laughs> I'm speaking to somebody right now. They always kind of cross the line a little bit. Anyway, um, so... It was a MUFON-supported symposium. It was the mufon support. Is this the uh, one-year event that they do? That is the one-year event, yeah. And it's the first time that I could remember that they've been out in Florida. I mean, they might have been out here before, just uh, you know, before I could remember them uh, coming out here. But this, I think, is the first time in a, maybe a very long time they've come out here. Yeah. And uh, it, like I said, look, it, it was a lot of fun to go out there and, and see how it works. Because I've never been to a MUFON symposium or... I've been to Comic Cons, you know, that's, you know, geek stuff. Uh, this is completely different from that. It's a completely but you love different that atmosphere. Shit. You love that. Oh, I, lo- I yeah, love yeah. that shit, but th- this is a completely different animal than that. And you have to treat it as such. Uh, but it, it, I was geeking out like if I was at a MegaCon because I saw people there, they were like idols of mine for many years. <laughs> I mean, I was terrified Start going up to like. Some names. Start, start. Dude, I was look. I was first of all, I was terrified just even going up to Stan Freeman and Kathleen Martin because I, you know, I've seen them on TV so many times. I've talked to them on the air and interview, interviewed them, and every time I even interviewed them on the air, I feel nervous because Stan Freeman is smarter than I am by a, a thousand miles. Well, and was he, just was he grouchy? Because he was grouchy. No, no. Actually, he was really fun. He was actually really, really funny. He told a story about when he was a kid and he he played a priest in a play and how he goes saying, how do you imagine a nice Jewish boy playing a priest? And, and then I go to him, oh. I bet your parents are proud. And he like started wow. cracking up. And it was really fun to have him on. He was actually very pleasant and not grouchy at all. I, I actually found him to be really, really polite and nice and stuff. Completely opposite to some what people say about him. And uh, Kathleen Martin was completely a sweetheart. Oh, my gosh. She was so oh, nice. Yeah, so very nice. I think I and, interviewed uh, both of them uh, about their book once, um, and I, I, you know, not captured or which book? I think it was captured. Yeah. Which, by the way, I got a copy autographed by them. Thank you very much. Oh, you did geek out. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, when I first met Stan, he was very grouchy, but I will say I'm one of the. I've always been a huge Stan Friedman fan, as you know. He's on that short list to talk to any world leaders about the subject, about the assessment, as Mr. Dean used to say, right? Mm-hmm. The assessment. Remember he would talk about it? It yep. was a small stack of papers about 12 <laughs> inches high. 
the assessment. I took it into a small room to study. And he, he's so good at that, man. Have you ever? Uh, he's hard to get. He's hard to get, Bob Dean. I don't think he does interviews anymore. I don't think not. I don't think he does it anymore. But he's an older uh, guy. St- he's what in his eighties now? Oh, but he's probably about two hundred years old. Probably two hundred mm-hmm. fucking years old. But, but yeah, I think what? Yeah, go ahead. But I think what getting to uh, to talk to Stanton for a little while, and, and really I only had him for a little while. It's not like we we sat there and had a powwow for four hours or anything. Uh, but here's a funny thing: we were doing you know the interviews on on Saturday and Sunday, and we wanted to keep the the bigger names for Sunday. Uh, so we could have a little bit more time with them, and we were doing 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes tops with our guests. You know, we, we don't want to go too over because we want to get as many people in as possible. When Stanton was on, we, had us, we asked him like three questions. He went on for like 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and we couldn't stop. Like we had people lining up to, to be interviewed, <laughs> and we're like, we're like, just hold on, just wait, just chill. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, you wait. It's Stanton freaking this. Friedman, man. I got a question to start off with. Yeah. He's Stanton. Why are you in the UFO industry <clears throat> when you're a nuclear physicist? When you could be making all the money making in the uh, UFO or in the uh, nuclear physicist industry, rather than hanging around as people in the UFO industry that have no money. Well, here's the thing: you got to really listen to the story and why and how he got into the field, uh, because he made a lot of money, or not a whole lot of money, but he made a living as a nuclear physicist, and he got into ufology for a particular reason uh, because it really piqued his interest more than anything else. Look, I do the radio stuff, and I make no money out, out of it, but it's because it's, it just, it's what interests me. You know, sometimes well, why you did he leave love. Uh, his career? Yeah, he, only, he only was doing it for 14 years. That, I don't know. Biography thing. Yeah, but that's, that's a career for most people. I mean, you know, what, what's a normal career of 15, 20 years? You know, after a certain amount of time, maybe he got bored of it, and this really, you know, piqued his interest. Remember, he is the guy who kind of got Jesse Marcel to talk about Roswell, right. where nobody but, was even but, talking about Roswell. Oh, you, you are correct, but, and and he's a pioneer, and he deserves all the accolades, and they named a street after him. And, and he should. Canada, where he lives, and it's Stanton Friedman Day once a year. I mean, look, I asked the guy to legally adopt me once, I remember years back. <laughs> That's yeah, not the that. point. Where, where we parted ways... Where we parted ways, me and Mr. Friedman, even though we're both in the tribe, was when he categorically denounced uh, Mr. Lazar, who I am a huge fan of, who I, I mean, Bob Lazar was the reason I got involved in ufology. I ran home with that videotape and couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah, but here's the thing, though, Jesse, uh, but here's here's the thing. That's opinion based on your end because you like Bob Lazar, Bob. but Bob Lazar has his story which can be collaborated. Or and I believe Bob Lazar. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying he's a liar or anything. I think he's okay. he's telling the truth. Don't, don't mess but, with Bob Lazar, man. No, no, no. I I'll like Bob Lazar. I, I love Bob. Bob Lazar. But here's the thing: Bob Lazar has his story which cannot be corroborated. It can't be proven or anything of such. Uh, there has been people who have tried to prove it and they've come up, you know, empty-handed. And that's where, you know, Stan Freeman has his doubts about Bob Lazar. Uh, over the years, maybe his, you know, maybe his thoughts on Bob has changed a little bit. Who knows? Uh, but again, Bob Lazar's story changed. cannot he be hasn't proven. Said shit about it. I mean, this guy is still debating. I think he debated last year. Yeah, I looked year. on his on his Jeremy webpage Corbell. the other day. Yeah, I remember because Corbell did another short on uh, Lazar recently, maybe last year or really? something. And that's why I wanted to have him on because he does such great work, uh, Jeremy yep. Corbell, uh, if I'm pronouncing his name right. But yeah, anyway, he debated, I believe, Stanton 
about this subject. And I've written to Stanton about this, and he just sticks to the facts. And I think everybody involved in this subject should know full and well that your past can be erased. And then it's not that uh, difficult to do, especially with a loner type like, like Lazar well, was anyway. I mean, that's the guys yeah. they look for, don't you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Does, uh, no, it does. It, it, it makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, honestly, I see, the look, guy didn't like have I said, that much life where it, okay, uh, he didn't play football and things like that. Right. So there wasn't. He was under the radar. He was a science geek. Uh, no, you know, and, and like I said, I believe Bob Lazar's story. I'm not denying that you know his story could be you know true or that it sounds credible because I think it is very credible sounding. In fact, uh, he was talking about Element 115 before he, the government even knew what Element yeah. 115 was and officially. That's another problem. And, and so. again, I haven't listened to all the debates that Stanton has done on this, but that would be part of my argument. My other part of the argument is that. He says it's a lot of funny science. Like he doesn't think that the even the basics that Lazar teaches in his teachings in that also famous video, the Secrets from the Government Bible, his first video mm-hmm. that he made, where he does a blackboard, a whiteboard presentation of uh, anti gravity and how the reactors work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm not a science guy, so I have to take the word of a guy like Stanton. But he basically said right. that was not correct, and I, I guess that's where. We sort of parted ways because even you bring up 115, I'll bring up the fact that, you know, Lazar not only worked at Los Alamos, right? And that seemed to be proven. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, 115, as you bring up, and what's he doing now? It's not like That's he's... That's it. Uh, he's working at a place right now where they're build. Uh, new, I don't know, it's some type of propulsion type of thing. So it's not like a guy that has... Nothing not, going not on and no skills. It, I don't know what propulsion. it is. It's called United. Uh, I forgot. Isn't the name. it like Hot Rods or something like that for a while? Wasn't like cars or some crap? Well, he did that for fun. But what oh, he does okay. for right. a living, he lives in like Michigan or something. And and United. Somebody in the chat room knows the name of this company. But yeah, uh, he makes uh, elements and he makes uh, he, he gets magnets and things of that nature for government facilities. And I mean, a very high end smart, top-tier yeah. science kind of guy that would make perfect sense. Also, there have been some people that have corroborated his story that have also been at the base. So I just think that that's mm-hmm. where me and Stanton parted ways. It was kind of a bummer. Well, what if Stanton, Stanton was the fraud? I mean, he could, you know, he's, maybe he's making up... Calm down now, Chris. Calm wow. down now. Well, Relax no, there, Chris. Why, would, why, why is that anything <laughs> to be, you know, debate about? I mean, if you could flip the burger on him. Are you a nasty debunker? I'm saying that if he's going to go around <laughs> bunking Bob Lazar, then I then pull the sheets out from under then Freeman and say, hey, what about you? Well, see, but there's documents that prove that he is who he is. He's got the documentation the to prove it. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody's erased his past. Yeah. He, yeah, I mean, so. he was contracted by the Department of the Navy. He has stubs of being paid by them. Not only that, but the government has never come out and said Bob Lazar didn't work at any of these places. Correct. And it, to me, there has never been, and the guy is still alive in broad daylight, there's never been a more credible person, I think, as far as whistleblowing. Whistleblowing. Mm-hmm. Do we have a little sound? Whistleblowing. <laughs> Wow, that's, like, that's the best we can do, man. That's the best we can do. Last minute, you know. Like Next time, tell me to load up a sound effect, and I'll, I'll get it for you. 
Yeah, it would be nice uh, to have some sound. No, but I have no reason to to doubt anything with Stanton's you know about or anything. I mean, he's he's been in this industry for a long time and and is a smart guy and is absolutely. I had no idea anything about the. You guys gave me, uh, educated me when you told me about the street named after him and, you know, all what you just said. Oh, yeah, he's, so, a, he's a god. Of you, he's a god in ufology. He's, yep. he's one of the old guard. And we, uh, I mean, you know. Let me, let me a god. Remember, this is, again, the guy who brought Jesse Marcel to the forefront and said, hey, you got to talk about this. You know, this is very important. And yeah, talk about a whistleblower. need to know. Right? Yeah. People need to know what happened in Roswell, and you know they need to see the yeah. reality of what's going on here and pretty what really great. happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good. That's pretty good, Stan. <laughs> but it's not even close <laughs> to your Godfather. That's the, your well, Don Leone is the best. Yeah, that was that was good. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Stan was you got to work on that. It's like as bad as my Seinfeld, which is <laughs> horrible. Who are these people? Oh, I, I can't even do it because it's so bad. <laughs> By the way, by the way, speaking of Seinfeld, we we determined on Skywatchers Radio who is who, um, uh, based on the on the Seinfeld cast and crew. Uh, for example, I'm Jerry Seinfeld, very obviously enough. Uh, Crystal Storm is uh, uh, what's the name? Elaine. Uh, what's the girl's name? Elaine, right? Yeah, Chris Brown over here. He he is uh, Kramer. No, he's Kramer. He's Kramer. <laughs> and uh, is Kramer right? Oh, he's Kramer. And, uh, He's Kramer, right? And then uh, <clears throat> we, we determined the other guy is Newman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I just coughed on my e-vape. My, my vape. Wow. Other guy. You know, I hadn't even seen a picture of him, and his picture was nothing, not even close to what I had envisioned. I thought he was going to be mm. more of – he looked like the guy from uh, mm. Bizarre Foods. A little yeah, bit? kind of. A okay. little bit, yeah. I see that. See I can see that. Going? But I thought yeah. he was going to be like this, I don't know why, the, in my head, <laughs> everybody has something in their head. It, he was this like super skinny guy with like, he was kind of like amped up and uh, lots of energy and just that smaller framed kind of guy, you know, and that's just how I envisioned him. So when I saw Maybe him, when he was younger, but now he's a little tubbier and he's still mm-hmm. small though. He's still a small, short guy. Well... Yeah, it was good to see you guys. It looked like you had a lot of fun. So why don't you tell us a little bit more? You told us about Stanton. You uh-huh. told us about Alejandro. Uh, uh-huh. you know, Alejandro. And, and I seen Steve Hudgens was there, too. Steve Hudgens was there. Which, by the way, I, I was very disappointed because I was trying to get him on to do an interview with us. And we kind of couldn't get him on you know, at a working time that it was good for him. Uh, also, we couldn't get Bill Schroeder on, which I really wanted to get on. Uh, and he was also, you know, he was so busy, he just, you know, couldn't make... Uh, time for it, but uh, you know there was so many good names there, so many people that were just interesting as heck. Uh, Cheryl Costa was there, who's been on on a couple of shows here on PSN Radio. In fact, it's funny. Cheryl Costa passes by her booth, and she looks at me. She goes, "I know you from somewhere, don't I?" And I'm like, "Duh, you've been on like three shows I produced." Yeah. She's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Future Theater, The Outer Edge, Unraveling the Secrets." Oh my God, yeah. You have a, but you have produced a lot of stuff, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Also, how many times has she seen you in person, you know? Never. But she's seen pictures on the Internet, I'm sure, you know. Just well, saying. yeah, you're, you're I mean, She recognized my place. face. She recognized my face. <laughs> and she's like, I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm famous. You know what the funny is? The best part of, of the whole thing was 
uh, for me was, you know, there's two things that I really was uh, geeked out about. Of course, uh, meeting Stanton and Kathleen and all, and all the folks there was great. Uh, getting to meet Alejandro for the first time in eight years was was phenomenal because I've known him for eight years, just like known you, Jesse, for eight years. Uh-huh. And I, never, I haven't met you in person either. Uh, well, yeah, that's that hard to believe, but yeah, I know. But meeting Alejandro for the first time in person was awesome because, again, he's one of the guys like yourself and Rich, which I've talked uh-huh. about before. You, the three of you, the Holy Trinity, as I call you, uh, you guys are the ones that inspired me to get into radio to begin with, and uh, and to do right. this as you know, as what I do with Skywatchers and all the production and stuff. So to meet one of the guys that really was the first guy that I heard on on internet radio, which is remember he had UFO Think Tank. That was the first Block Talk radio show that I found, and through that show I found your show and Rich's show, and it just it snowballed from there on, and now I'm here. And you know to meet him in person and interview him and, and have a little powwow with him and talk to him for a little bit and uh, and stuff, you know that was really really cool. It's, it's like coming full circle uh, with the person who got me involved in this whole thing to begin with. And, uh, you know, he was just a super, super sweet in person. Just a re- he's really a nice super guy. sweet guy. He, he's, he's a super nice guy. He, he was really the, is. when he was doing the news for me before Think Tank, he was the educational director for MUFON. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. why I really wanted him too, but, uh, because I felt like, you know, we were going to bring this sort of, uh, I don't know, top tier level of, uh, intellect and also news source to the show. And, of course, he was there to do the news, so it made perfect sense. But um, then he realized that he was much better than me, and he started UFO Think Tank. <laughs> so that's what happened there. That's the whole... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he was still but he was still doing your show uh, when he was doing UFO He was. Think Tank. No, I mean, I yeah. love the guy. I have nothing bad. I, I could, you could torture me. I wouldn't say something yeah. bad about him. Getting to meet him was phenomenal, but the, the most important person that I got to meet in the entire conference was Crystal Storm. Because she's a co-host on Sky Watchers. I've known her for eight years. She's been a friend for a long time. And I've never met her. And she's here in Florida also. So getting to meet her was just, you know, the, the biggest and coolest part of the entire thing. And, uh, you know, hanging out and spending the weekend over there and, and you know, doing the shows. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait to go to the next conference. The next symposium, as they call it. Which I think is in February. So I'm going to hmm. start saving money now because, yeah. my God, I spent a whole lot of money. Well, let, mm-hmm. let's talk. Let's tell the audience what happens at these conferences, uh, Angel, because a lot of people um, don't go to these things. And I've been to a bunch of them. You've been to a few of them, right? Um, Chris has not. Uh, I no. think, Chris, you have not. I've so, just been to the UFO Festival here in McMinnville, which is kind of just like a whole town thing, you know? Yeah, with the parade. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that counts because did you go to any of the lectures? Uh, no, Actually, I didn't yeah. make it to those. All right. Well, Angel, tell you, tell tell the average ufology listener or the uh, layman what you do at one of these things. Do you guys uh, burn a bunch of sage? Do you guys do CE5 <laughs> protocol? What do you do? Well, you, you, you uh, walk around a lot. Um, an excessive amount of walking is, is done of these things. Uh, but, the, you know, when they have the uh, lecture rooms uh, and they have, you know, speakers out there, uh, just go and sit down and just pay attention because it's some of the most fascinating stuff you're going to hear, especially in the ufology ones. Uh, you know, not so much in the Megacon or the, the those kind of geek conventions because that's more geared towards, you know, fantasy movies and, you know, this or comic books or whatever, which if, if you're into that 
particular you know movie, yeah, it's cool. Uh, but you know, there's really very little you're going to learn from it. It's just mostly going to hear the act- the actors talk about you know their experience of the movie or how much they like the character. Nothing right. really important is said. Here, you, when you sit down in one of these lectures, you know, when I sit down and, and listen to Alejandro speak, I mean, I learned so much from from just sitting there and, and listening to what he was talking about. And I heard about cases I had never heard about before. And you know, when I when I heard Bill Schroeder speak and, and talk about his case in in the sixties uh, here in Florida, I mean that blew my mind because I actually know a person who was involved in that case who I worked with. And when I told him the name, he was like, "Yeah, I know him. I, he was actually a, a member of the Coast Guards." And I was like, "That's right, he was." And it, it, this is a person I worked with about ten years ago named Luis Pasante, and he knew who he was. And it was kind of like tripping us both out because we're like, "Holy crap!" You know a guy that I knew back then, and you know we were all kind of involved. And, and talk about synchronicity, right? And you know, when you when you're in one of these things, you're going to learn so much more than going to any of the others, any of the other type of conventions that there is out there. So, I mean, I highly recommend anybody who's at, you know, who even is thinking about going to one of these move on things, or you know, UFO Congress, or any of these really important conventions, go to these. You know, yeah, once in a while, MegaCon and the and Comic Con, all these stuff. You know, those are cool, also. I love them. But these are the ones you're really going to learn stuff in that it's just going to blow your mind away. And stuff that's going to stick with you because it's really important information. And then just get ready to do a lot of walking in between. Okay, what about uh, a anything, lot of walking. anything strange happen? Was there any sort of weirdness, any drama that we need to know about? Um, not fights? really a whole lot of drama. Well, with, with the other guy, there's always drama and fights. That's just... Okay. Okay. This is the way he rolls, but uh, no, seriously, there really wasn't too many, too much drama per and se. As seen on TV uh, products, don't forget. That. Right? No, actually, not really much of that. Just a lot of uh, folks in ufology pimping their books and stuff, and and uh, actually, there was a couple paranormal uh, guys. There was really one funny thing that happened. I got, I got to talk about this on air. Uh, there's a gentleman named Frank J. Bennett, uh, who was about two tables down from us, uh, facing our table. Really nice guy, super sweet guy, and uh, he was talking about his, uh, he was, you know, selling his paranormal book, uh, which was a paranormal event that happened to him when he was younger, uh, where he was walking in the woods, because, you know, that's what young people do, they walk in the woods, sure. and he, he saw this creature that uh, scared the bejesus out of him, and this creature jumped into the, to this tree, like 70 feet in the air, and climbed this tree, and this crazy thing that, you know, freaked him the hell out, and then he saw it again, and then he had another experience later on, and he's telling the story, and the creature is this really black, black creature, right? Kind of like a, a really super black Bigfoot. And he tells a story like so animated, and at one point he's telling the story to this African American gentleman who's really dark skinned, and he says, "And this thing was really, really black." And the moment he said that, the African American man was like, "Yeah, really, blacker than me, huh?" Like, <laughs> like huh? Remember yeah, with how like black Spinal was Tap? Uh-huh. How much more blacker can this right. be? And the answer is and, none blacker. Black. And the thing is, this man was very dark skinned. So I, I was, I, I looked at him when he said it, and I was like, "Oh no, he's gonna get shot!" Like, wait, what are you doing, Frank? And then he just continued his story. And and and, and it's funny that gentleman was—I uh, forget his name now—but he was actually very, very nice, also. And we, I got to talk to him for a little bit. He was an experiencer. He was going to come by and do an interview, but he never made it back the next day. I think he got scared. Uh, but he was—he was telling us about his experiences and what brought him out there and stuff. And uh, why he's so inter- interested in the subject of ufology. So, you know, even meeting people that are just there as fans was really cool. Not just, you know, the famous people, but right. some of the fans that were there was, were really, really cool to meet and to talk to and stuff. And uh, and it's funny, I've seen some of these same people uh, in other videos that I've seen 
uh, that I didn't even know were famous. You know, so just some folks I've seen randomly do interviews here or there at some conventions. Oh, and, and also, also, I got interviewed for Univision TV in Spanish. Univision. Hmm. Univision, which wow. they, they're, they're going around trying to interview people, and like, there's not a whole lot of Spanish people uh, in, the, in this thing. And uh, they came up to me, and they were like, you wouldn't happen to speak Spanish, would you? Do you and I'm like, do I look Latino? Kind of. And I'm like, well, you're lucky. I'm Cuban. She's like, oh, my God, thank you. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll say something. And, she, and the lady Same sat down in front of me. Yeah, I'm Latino. I'm a, I'm a Hispanics, as mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump will call us, Hispanics. Yeah. And she sits down in front of in front of the table and she starts talking to me about what we're doing with the radio, <clears throat> what I believe in when it comes to ufology and what I think is going to happen. Uh, we're going to get disclosure or this and that. And we had like a, like a five, six minute interview with her. And then she was like, oh my God, this is so awesome. We're going to definitely have you on. And I'll, she gave me her card so, you know, I can call her and, uh, I could follow up with them and they'll let me know as I call them, they're going to let me know, uh, when it's going to air. So I got to call them probably like tomorrow or the day after so I know when it's going to air. They're going to send me a copy of the video once it's edited and everything. So that was really cool. I mean, I didn't expect that to happen. Um, the press conference was really good also, which I put up, it's like a 30 something minute, uh, press conference with all the main, uh, speakers that are going to be there. And I recorded the whole thing on my phone and I put it on, on YouTube. And if anybody wants to kind of get a feel of what that is like, Watch our YouTube page on Skywatchers Radio, and you'll get to see kind of like you know a little bit of that. And uh, you know, it, it was just neat. a. I might check that. It out. was a really cool thing. Yeah, it was a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look, I got to thank first of all <clears throat> Morgan Beale. I got to thank him uh, for making this happen. He was phenomenally uh, cool about everything. He got us a table, got us the passes. You know, he was just awesome. Uh, you know, uh, Bill Schroeder again. Got to thank him. Uh, everybody involved in MUFON was just super, super nice. What about that uh, gal did, that was on the show a couple of weeks ago? Did you did you run into her? She's so nice. Chase Klutzky, no, I did not mm. run into her, sadly enough. And you know what? She was uh, somebody that I was looking for. I don't even think she was there, which really, really made me sad. Yeah, that's her name. Chase mm-hmm. Klutzky, man. She was so she was such a, so such cool. a nice lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give her two thumbs up, man. Unfortunately, she was not there. But look, Jan C. Harzen was there. And uh, <clears throat> Jan, sorry, I had to cough there. I had a little frog in my throat. But Jan, he was also uh, just well, you're phenomenally. You know, you're like uber geeking out, and I dig it because I know yeah. what it's like. I mean, picture this back in the day for the uber fans, ufology kids out there, the older guys. Um, you go to one of these conferences, you got got. Oh, my God, some of these guys are even Randolph Winners. If somebody knows who Randolph <laughs> Winners is, you got to. Is that you where you got Randolph from? <laughs> no, it's not. But I, Randy Winners was like pre-Michael Horn, hanging out with the, the Plagerans and, the, and, and, and Billy Meyer and all that jazz. But he was a lot more down to earth. He was a lot more uh, approachable, right? Um, he was kind of uh, almost John Lear-esque with the way he sort of slithered with his voice. But... Uh, then you'd have Whitley Strieber, and you'd have oh man, Linda Howe, and you know just these these really top tier heavy duty. Of course, the big one for me was John Lear. You know, I, I get to see yeah. John oh, Lear yeah, yeah. speak. Yep. You know, it was like riveting shit, and it blew. Me. I met that was the first time I, I remember one of those L.A. Mufon uh, Expo West. Uh, I met Don Ecker. That was a big deal for me. Don Ecker, like big deal. But yeah, it was a big deal at the time. 
And it, uh, it, it was a, this was a big deal for me just getting to meet all these folks, and I can't I can't thank Jan Harzen enough. I mean, he was uh, uh, somebody I spoke to on the phone, uh, getting this thing set up. Uh, when I met him in person, he was very gracious, very very nice, and, and uh, again, him, Morgan Beal, those guys are just you know they're awesome people, man. I I fully support Mufon and uh, you know their endeavors. Well, honestly, uh, and, they should support you too because you run this whole thing, like you said, they did. You don't make money. And they, they showed up, so good for them. Yeah, absolutely. They did completely. In fact, it's funny, and we have to go on break here in a couple of minutes because we have their, their guests waiting in the wings. Uh, but I, I want to say this. Uh, on Thursday when we got there, the other guy got there first because I had a little issue uh, getting up to Orlando. And he got there first, and they didn't know who he was. And he called me pissed. He was, like, ranting and raving. Like, and he was, like, a madman. And he, was like, prima, like, he was getting all prima donna and stuff. Completely diva out. Like, oh, my God, how do you not know who I am? I am Skywatcher's radio. And he just completely went ape shit, right? Wow. And he's freaking out. And uh, I, I'm like, dude, calm down. Just put Jan or put Morgan Beale on the phone, and, and I'll get this straightened out. Because they had no clue who he was. They didn't remember the name Angel, yeah. supposedly, right? Because he went to the wrong person. He went to Bill Schroeder, who I only kind of briefly spoke to. But I didn't really speak to him about this. I spoke to Jan Harzen and to Morgan Beale and a couple of the ladies I'd move on. And uh, he went to Bill Schroeder thinking that's the guy I went that I spoke to for the most part. And Bill was like, I, I don't know who you're talking about. Which, why would he remember me? We had like a two-minute conversation. It was very brief. He just told me, call Jan. That's really the basic gist of it. So I go, dude, just put Morgan Beale on the line. I'll get strained out. While I'm driving to Orlando, and I'm like maybe an hour away, I get Morgan on the line. And I'm like, hey, dude, it's me. Skywatcher's ready. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what's up, dude? And I'm like, yeah, you know, don't worry about my co-host. He's, you know, he's like that. He's a little fiery. And he's like, oh, that's cool, man. Don't worry about it. And he goes, so is the table ready? He's like, yeah, I've got your thing on the table. Your name's on it. You're good to go, bro. Just come in whenever you're ready. And I'm like, yeah, see, that's all. That's all. I just needed to hear my voice. That's it. So he gets uh, the other guy back on the line. And I'm like, dude, just relax. Everything's taken care of. Our table's there. Our passes are there. It's something to freak out about, you know? And then when we finally go in and we're doing the whole thing the next day on Friday, because uh, th- Thursday the other guy didn't want to, like, do anything there. He wanted to go and spend time with his girlfriend in uh, Disney Springs. And we had lunch there and hung out at Disney for a little bit. Uh-huh. But on Friday when we went in, we went to uh, our table and we were setting everything up. The other guy goes to the bathroom or something and disappears for about 30 minutes as I'm setting up because that's, you know, what he would do. What was he doing? He disappear. Dude, no, he just disappears so I could set up without him because he doesn't want to help. So that's, <laughs> that's the whole point. So he disappears and, and Frank... Jay Bennett, who's you know at the table in front of us, he, he he's like talking to me, you know, across the room, and he's like, "So you're the other host, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And he goes, "Man, what happened to your co-host yesterday? He was freaking out. This guy was throwing a tantrum like a baby." Really? And I'm like, and I'm like, dude, yeah, he's just See, there like was that. some drama. Just you're from right, the other guy. That's drama. it. Just, just the other guy. He caused all the drama. Now, and then he goes, and then the last day, the okay. last day he goes dressed like, uh, Charlie Brown. Like, really? Like, come on, dude. Like, what do you mean, Charlie Brown? What does that mean? Like, Charlie Brown from, uh, from Snoopy and, uh, well, I forgot you know, Charlie what Brown. I, I forgot what he dresses like. You mean, the like, the yellow sloppy? shirt, no, yellow shirt with the bronze stripe on it. Well, that's the wrong guy. That's Pigpen. Uh, whatever. The One of Charlie Brown no, no, the characters. The guy who's sloppy is Pigpen, right? Right, yeah, that's Pigpen. Yeah, well, look at the name, Pigpen. Yeah. Well, we got to get to our guests is what we got to do. We're, we're yeah, probably going to do that, yeah. I want to so. talk about this thing. It sounds amazing. The CubeSat mm-hmm. satellite yeah. open-sourced UFO disclosure coming up next. 
the Honorable Chris J. Brown, Jesse Randolph, and the Angel of Ufology. Oh! Welcome to Ufodot Radio, everybody. We're going to kick this off. We'll be right back after this word from not our sponsors. <laughs> being tied down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go TalkStream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you and your iphone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day seven days a week mobile talk radio from TalkStream live now available in the itunes app store up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of and more. SupermanHomePage.com Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or? No. Holy <laughs> That was the yeah. Yeah. 10 seconds of, uh, no. What are you that was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying something. Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. Unidentified flying Monday night, Euphonaut Radio, where else do you want to be about that future theater, getting your mind going, scrambling? And now, we just pitter-pattered for an hour hearing about the MUFON Symposium. What a fun time that was. I'm so glad that I didn't get to go, guys. Thanks for making me feel horrible (laughs) about it. But I am excited. I really am. Enough of this jib-jabber gossip about silliness. We've got a real guest tonight talking about doing stuff. The sayers and the doers. And with that, I'm going to give it over to the Honorable Chris J. Brown to introduce our guest tonight, Mr. Dave Shock. Yeah, Dave Shock. He's a uh, a true doer. 
and he's got his CubeSat out out here that he's working on and is fundraising for a a in a satellite system that is well, I guess he can explain, but it's um, something that's that's for everybody, and uh, hopefully to put all them flat earthers to rest. And um, so uh, we'll let kind of Dave get into what what it's all about, Dave. And it's thank you for coming on. I appreciate you you coming on at the last uh, minute. I'm you know me hitting you up, uh, you know. You know so <laughs> yeah, that's no problem, Chris. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, I don't mind. So. Uh, but uh, that's for the flat earthers. If they send it up, it might just fall off the edge. And what happens if that? Ha- I mean, what are we going to do? It uh, may be. <laughs> You're right. Well, no. Yeah. See, if you send that up, and we're in a flat Earth, it's just going to hit the dome, boom, break apart, and then we're yeah. never getting any pictures. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll maybe have it on camera. I don't know. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, we are sending a cube satellite up. For UFO research, this will be the very first satellite ever dedicated to such a thing. No more NASA, no more crap. Hey, we lost feed to the International Space Station. <laughs> this thing's a half a, uh, what is it, half sure. a trillion dollars, and they lost contact with it? I, from what I understand, we won't never lose contact with our little $50,000 shoebox flying around up there. So, NASA, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I have a question. How, how are you going to get this thing to orbit, first of all? I mean, what kind of rocket uh, propulsion are you using? Uh, interorbital systems. They're out of the uh, uh, Mojave Deserts, the, uh, over the Mojave Desert. It's the uh, Air and Spaceport, Mojave Air and Spaceport. Yeah. And uh, okay. they're a company over there, interorbital systems. And they're, there's, you wouldn't believe all the companies are doing this now. So many that you just don't have no idea of their names and stuff, that are building small rockets, sending up CubeSats for a fraction of the cost that NASA or SpaceX or any of them are doing it. I mean, we already paid for our launch. It was $16,000. Well, that's not bad. That's no, like it ain't. A, that's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what NASA exactly, spent. Exactly, mm-hmm. you know? You know, see, I started in this a long time ago. You know, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and I was a rock throw practically from the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So, you know, you get to uh, think about aliens and the old Hangar 18. You know, I grew up around it. So it was always there in my mind. And little did I know, my parents had an experience in the 70s, the early 70s, in about 30 miles due west of Wright-Patterson. A giant red orb of a sort, uh, glowing, was pulsating, coming from the west slowly. And they were running down the road in the evening, and there's like, what in the world? They both pulled over and got out of the car and watched this thing. And all of a sudden, a smaller one come out of it and was circling around it like you hear many times. A smaller, but it was not red. It was more white, and it was circling around it. Instantly, my dad freaked out. and He's a Korean War vet, former POW, everything. And it scared him to death. My mom and they got back in the car and boogied. And to this day, my dad's still kicking. My mom passed a few years ago, but my dad will not talk about that and has never talked about it. If I mention it, he starts shaking and he tells me to shut up. I don't want, not, I don't want to talk about it. And he, he won't. My mom, she, she loved that stuff. She talked. Do you about think that maybe he hmm. had a, maybe something, maybe they were abducted. Maybe that's why he's so scared because 
Hmm. I don't. Seeing something, you know, I, I see you know, a couple of objects myself as, as a kid, and I, it doesn't terrify me. In fact, I'm more more in, you know into the subject because of it. I, I mean, that's the reason why I got so involved in ufology, is because of what I saw. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did. You know, I have no idea. I don't recall anything happening. They said that they left, but you know, then again, it might not have been. But uh, yeah. I didn't even learn about this until 2008. I did not know oh, wow. nothing wow. about this. That's when How did you I find got, out? Did your mom tell you? Or? Yeah, after I started a project. Uh, see, in 2007 and eight, I run into a few of the UFO forums and a few people, and I ended up joining a forum that was at the UFOD base. Database, basically what it meant. The UFOD right. base killer site. It was uh, it rivaled uh, the, open, the original Open Minds Forum and all of them at the time. I mean, this this it was big, and uh, that's where I started it. At. I come up with the idea one day. I said, "Man, why why aren't we doing something about this? Why don't we use the technology of today, man, and send up a satellite and do it and and really figure it out and do it." Find out if they're really there, you know. We can't depend on NASA. Everybody wants to down NASA and the government. Let's put up our own satellite. So, excellent. Everybody to love the idea. And I passed around. I talked to everybody in the world. James Fox, uh, he was really into the idea and recommended some people to talk to. Uh, David Sarita, he helped me uh, uh, form my uh, 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 nonprofit and helped me got, get that all together for the project. And I had a company. Well, actually, Dan Aykroyd gave me a thumbs up through uh, uh, David Sarita about the project, but never helped out. But, you know, I started everything. I ended up contacting the government, getting permission. I got a company ready to build it, and that was Orbital. But here was the stickler. <laughs> now, this is 2008. I'm still laughing even thinking about this. So they loved the idea at Orbital. This is engineers. He said, let me get back with you. What you got in mind, and I'll let you know so he got back with me a couple weeks later he called and he says uh great it's a go we can make this thing but the problem is it's going to be about 200 million dollars whoa pocket change to donald trump that's about it yeah yeah that's almost not pocket change <laughs> that's a lot that's crazy yeah. you know so I did. I tried. I kept trying. Year and, I spent almost a year and a half of bugging, putting the bug in everybody's ear. Tried Hollywood, never get an answer. You can't never get old people there, and <laughs> it's so hard to get old anybody in Hollywood. But uh, I tried. So I gave up after about a year and a half. I did a couple radio shows in the meantime, and uh, but here late last year, when was it? Uh, early December, I ran into a group. That, they, that said they're launching a cube satellite for UFO research. And I had to slap myself upside the head. Oh, my God. Why did I ever think about this? These things are cheap. They're doing the whole project for fifty grand compared to $200 million. I mean, the technology's come a long way. I mean, look at the iPhone. We could send that thing in space and get HD photos or live video on Facebook, you know, with a darn iPhone. Little tiny thing. So they can pack a lot in these things nowadays, and this this satellite that we're sending up is smaller than a shoebox. It's that little. That's what a cube satellite is. It measures about four inches square by uh, about eight inches long. Little tiny thing. Hey got Dave, a lot of stuff. I got to break in here. I got to sure. break in. We, we sure. got to we got to get some kind of context on two things. 
-hmm. because the technology has made this possible. The technology of the Internet, right, and the Mm -hmm. technology in your brain and your team. Now, you have a team behind you here. This isn't just, and I'm not putting you down, but it's not, you know, some guy in a barn. You have a huge track record working with satellite technology, correct? Yeah, I that right there, when I started my project, I really got into it and got to understand a lot of it. Plus, I'm an amateur astronomer, so that, you know, space tech, all that stuff's really been big with me anyway. So, yeah, I know quite a bit I think your it. mic's popping a little bit, if you could uh, ease off on it a little bit. It's, it's popping just a tap. You know what? Uh, That's, I can turn it. There we go. I'm looking right into it, so what the problem was, I think. That'd be great. Yeah, much better. Thank you. Um, tell us about your team. Tell us how you hooked up with them, and then I want you to give me uh, your definition of open source. Sure. Uh, well, we'll start with the team, and that is Dave Cote. He's the project manager. He's the one that started this. It's the one that I I seen uh, that started the project. He was on uh, actually how I found it was uh, Open Minds uh, TV. They did a radio or Open Minds Radio. He did a Alejandro did an interview with Dave Cote, and I listened in, and I was like, gosh, man, i got to get on board with this. So I made contact and told him my past on this, and immediately Dave Cote brought me on board, and now I'm the project coordinator. But there's Dave. Now, he's a software engineer. He's done a lot of uh, subcontracting for Google and things and Android. He's a big big thing on Android. He uh, I was a, part of the development or something of it. But you met via the internet, correct? Sure did. Yep. Okay. Sure great. Did. Hey, look, I, that's how I met most of my girlfriends in the past ten years. So. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, it's great. You can uh, really define who it is that you want to meet, and I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to turn the conversation, but that's what you did. You you uh, found people of like minds, correct? Sure did. Uh, so then you, you, you saw Cote, you got jazzed about this concept, you saw where you might be able to fit in the mix, correct? Mm. Yeah, I've been handling all the media coverage and stuff for it. I've done, uh, gosh, over a dozen radio interviews. Like I said, I went to the UFO International Con- Congress for or the International UFO Congress, uh, <laughs> and uh, met everyone and uh, was pushing the project down there. And well, yeah. how was it received? I mean, it, to me, when I saw this thing, my eyes lit up. I just said, this is the next step. This is taking mm-hmm. the power to the people, giving the power and saying, pony up time. Not, not And not to put Bassett down, Jackal, but not faxing, not emailing, not Twittering, not, not superficial stuff that is right. vaporware. This is tangible. This is real, correct? Yep. That is it. You know, I know what you're talking about when you're like, what you're talking about right there, Stephen. And I, I know we're taking this in our own hands. You know, how many people have seen them NASA videos, uh, the International Space Station, and next thing you know, something pops into view. Poof. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. We lost feed to the station. You know, people don't trust it. And it's time that we ourselves did something ourselves. This is everybody's everybody's project when we get photos you get the photos immediately you can post them that we're not claiming it there you can post them anywhere you want do whatever you want with the photos but we're getting them all the time and when we find something you found it same time okay so now you're getting into some of the tech specs and i want to get there so we're going to go on that in a little bit later but let's get back to why this is so interesting 
and what open source means to you? Well, open source, I would say, would be that's everyone. Everyone can participate, and this is a project for all of us. You know, like I say, when we get the photos, you get it. You get the information as we get it. It is open source to everyone. We aren't claiming, you know, right. So there's no filter of information, absolutely no filter whatsoever, correct? Whatsoever. Because this is what you're proposing on your your Indiegogo page is Mm -hmm. that you're offering, and this is what everyone does. It's not just you guys, but when you do an Indiegogo, folks, you have these offers. So if you donate 10 bucks, just like – the public stations, when they say, you know, you, you want to, uh, if you give us $10, you get a T-shirt. You give us $20, etc., and the gifts get groovier. If you give $150, you get to snap pictures whenever the heck you want. Now, how the hell are you going to make that work? I want to find out for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I, you guys are like, yeah, we got to figure that out, too. But, <laughs> I, but I just saw all these people, like, fighting over the camera, and it started making me laugh. But uh, I know I mean, yeah, talk that's about my picture too. You know, this could <laughs> be a problem, but I know we're going to have to. We will work this out because a lot of people are going to want to. It's flying over our area. We want to take a picture over. You know, this part of this country. You know, it's flying over. But so, it's true. You know, I, we're going to figure that out, and everybody will be able to do that because that's that's going to be so cool. Wouldn't that be great? You can log into the satellite and take your own photo. I mean, how cool! Well, of course it'll <laughs> yeah, be cool. But, but you're going to have a lot of people who are going to be able to, who want to log in at the same time. So that's going to be a technical nightmare unless you launch a thousand satellites. Well, no, no. I see. Uh, you're only getting a photo. It'll only take a second or so. Next person, poof, another few seconds. Two next. Uh, I could you're see in a queue or something, perhaps. Right. That's how we'll have to do that. Is in a queue exactly. You know, uh, it's flying over that part of the country. Well, we got fifty or so people that are wanting to do it because, you know, it's for us to get. So many people donate $150 for it. You know, that's, there won't be a lot of people to do it. I don't see a lot of people donating that much, but yeah. we, we, I, I got, I got a slogan for you right now. I got the slogan for you right now. Get in the queue to be on the cube. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, let's talk. Let's, let, we're getting into tech, so let's get into tech. This is for the Uber geeks tonight, so this is all about you. Now, this thing is a cube. First of all, watch your mic again because you're getting close again. I want people to hear this. Yeah, I know. Okay, it's popping on me, and I want people to hear this, Mr. Yeah. Shock. Yeah. Uh, this thing is an actual cube. Go look at the picture. This looks like something right out of a science fiction movie. Why is it a cube, number one? Uh, it looks like the Borg ship. It looks like the, the Borg ship. Thank you, yep. Otto. And also, I want to know why you picked a cube shape. <laughs> How you're going to launch this thing into space, which is just like the ultimate rocketry project, right? <laughs> so I want to yeah, go view sure. it. I wanted that on the uh, on the little uh, upgrades list here that I get to go to the launch party. I didn't see that because I'm always looking for a cool soiree, and that sounded yeah. fun, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Did you go to Branson? I have so many questions. It's ridiculous. Let's start with the let's start with the cube. Why a cube? And also. What is the purpose of this damn thing? What are you hoping to achieve by putting this? Is it an orbit? Okay, that's enough questions for right now. Okay, yeah. yeah you're just going on. Uh, it's like... hey, I'm excited. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, a lot of people really are. And I am too. I mean, it's going to take a <laughs> bomb prime me away from my computer when I get this up. I mean, really. But uh, see, the cube right, shape, start with the shape. That is standard, yeah. right? 
that is a standard for the satellites. We didn't pick that. They're actually done that way. It has to do with mass storage on a rocket and the ejection components. Uh, the cubes are uh, common. They actually take them to the International Space Station and launch them up there. The uh, cube satellites. Uh, school just had one launch up there a couple months ago. Unfortunately, when it launched, they lost contact and. That was the end of that. But the thing is, it was a uh, built by a bunch of third or fourth graders, I think it was. So <laughs> it wasn't. It didn't do very well. But uh, it's a standard thing. The cube satellites. They have what's called tube sets too. They're a little different. They're round. They're smaller. Yeah, they're. It's not as uh, uh, well. What's, the, the, what's the main purpose? What is the main goal function of the cube once you get it in? And is it in orbit? Where? How is it? Is it flying around with the other satellites? It sure is. Now, here's here's how that works. Like I say, interorbital systems are the ones that are launching it. They're out of the Mojave Desert. They are a small rocket company. They're launching cube satellites. They take them up and to a, around the 190-mile mark is where our satellite will go up to. And uh, for uh, comparison, the International Space Station is around the 250-mile mark. So we're below the space station, but we are in orbit. And we'll be making a trip around every 90 minutes, just like the space station. It so, will be in orbit, and we're only looking at, and I know this is what is, is so hateful about the project, we're only looking at about a three-month period. Three you months. mean before it dies? Before it's gone and burns back up. And, and it all depends on things. Well, because of the low Earth orbit. Believe it or not, there's stuff that's called uh, space weather. Space weather is to do with everything from uh, uh, emissions from the sun that emits drag on the satellite, and they actually do on all the satellites in the space station, too. And also the Earth itself, the Earth is in a spinning motion, and the center around the equator actually bulges a little bit. And the atmosphere is sticking out a little farther than the rest, like we're, we're – because we're going to be up and around polar orbit is what I understand. So we'll be flying over the poles and back and around and back and around. And, uh, and what's the, the the main goal? What's the main goal of the gadget? The gadget. I like that one. Yeah, it is too. It's a fun gadget. But uh, the main goal is to answer the question: Are is NASA been lying to us? You know, and cutting the feeds because there is UFOs. Are we going to get some good photos? I mean, that's what it's all about. We want to see. We're going to find out. If UFOs are really the real deal, I mean, uh, there's a good chance that we should get a shot of one if it's real. I would say. Well, why was your? Pre- I guess my question is, when you're thinking about this and you're talking about a lot of money, and uh, it, usually when you have a hypothesis, right? So your hypothesis for a second here sounds to me like NASA is not showing us uh, what they should be showing us. They have. Uh, an immense amount of information about the UFO topic, about what these things are. They have photos, they have evidence, and they're turning things off, they're filtering it, they're airbrushing it. So we're going to bypass that by doing our own satellite. But the hypothesis has to be twofold in this one, I would think, where you're also going, we have a three-month window, and we're going to put this object here, because we think X is going to happen, right? You following me? Like, yeah. Okay, so take me through what your thought process was when you said, here's the reason 
why we think something's going to occur possibly or we're going to be in the right place to catch it. Well, I know it's so many. Uh, it isn't just me that, that thinks that NASA itself has been doing this and hiding it in the government. Uh, I've seen a UFO myself. My parents have. So if you could, so many people around the country have, and uh, we feel that the best way to get the answers is for us, the people, to take it in our own hands and send up a satellite. So especially as cheap as they are nowadays, uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, we're looking at only fifty grand to put this darn thing up there. Compared to years ago, a satellite would cost you an arm and a leg plus your daughter's arm and leg too. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. So we really think that this is a great idea to answer it and see if they're real. I'm, I'm anxious. Uh, I'm really, yeah. but the launch is quite a ways away. You know, we're already paid for the launch, and it's uh, it is set, but it isn't till next spring, late next spring, late next spring. And and so you have hmm. all the funding you need right now, or you are still looking for more funding. We're still yeah. looking. See, we've raised a little over thirty thousand so far out of our goal of fifty thousand. Okay. Yeah, we still need uh, need money to keep things going because the problem is you know who you should uh, talk to is the coolest cooler guy because he got what twelve million. The coolest cooler guy. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's like the number one Indiegogo ever or the number one Kickstarter ever. Um, mm. the, he just made a great. In fact, if you sent his cooler into space. I bet oh, you get it oh the cooler cool. guy. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they planted him on they, Facebook forever. Yeah. Well, you know, so he didn't cool. come up with the goods either, so now a bunch of people are very upset. Because really? So it's never going to be released? Uh, well, cooler? he had a problem with his Chinese manufacturer. Uh, oh, and, damn Chinese. So he's not going to make the oh, dates. Wow. And then he started asking people for more money for their coolest cooler. Um, and his upgrades, one of his upgrades was that he would actually ha- come to one of your parties and use the blender to make margaritas for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. But you guys don't have those kind of upgrades. But but no. getting back to the technology for a second. So this mm-hmm. thing's in, in space next spring. You launch it. And right away, what kind of information are you able to track or take? or? Okay, yeah, download? here's how that'll work. Will be uh, launched, and I'm pretty sure that our launch is actually going to be out in the Pacific Ocean, uh, off one of the little islands out there. That's where they do their launches. And once we get up there in space, the satellite will be deployed. Okay, now immediately we will send a signal and deploy the antennas, and then we have to orient. The main thing is orient the satellite. And by doing this, now this is amazing. See, these cube satellites don't have no thrusters. There's nothing on them. They're by themselves. So they have what's called a magnetorker. We have a three-axis magnetorker, and this works off of an electromagnetic field. You know, the Earth itself is a magnetic field. Mm -hmm. This thing reacts with the magnetic field, and there's uh, two of the magnetorkers because it's a three-axis. There's three in it. One of them, it, it, it starts the shaking and movement of a little metal rod inside, and that will turn the satellite one way. The other one will start and turn the satellite, and then we have what's called an open air, and that reacts with the magnetic field of the of the Earth, and we can actually point and aim the satellite around. But we have two cameras on board. One's going to face down. One's going to face up. They will be taking HD photos every five seconds. 
boom, boom, keep taking them. Now, problem is the satellite communications, and that is we have to pay someone to uh, for our downlink. And yeah. the cost of this is what why we're ha- we have to raise more money. It is going to be around three thousand dollars a month just to have contact with our satellite through this company. Wow, yeah, wow. and that's huge. We we mark we shopped around, and <laughs> that was the best we could find, best deal around three grand a month. Yeah, and the thing is with that, you know, let's see, it may end up more, it may end up a little less. The whole problem is what we're sending down as we take those photos, HD photos. Uh, they will be stored on board, and at the same time, a thumbnail is sent down. That's a smaller file. Boom. It'll keep sending down thumbnails every five seconds. But on board, it's still storing and then deleting as it goes so far. But still, storing them HD photos. We get thumbnails. Now, something is detected. Say there's movement in the pixels, and that's how motion detection works. Something is caught moving. Now, automatically, the satellite will start to uh, send down the HD photos and send a backlog and go back and send more from right before it came in to what we're seeing. So then we start getting HD photos. That saves on our data costs. And if if we were sending HD photos constantly down, (laughs) uh, we might as well have bought that satellite company. I mean, it it could be a lot of money. Here's the thing, though, uh, and this is going to uh, take regular photos in HD. It's not going to take infrared or anything like that, right? Actually, yes, it is. We have uh, okay. this, this is a near-infrared version with twice okay. the infrared sensitivity of a normal camera. So, yes, it will be infrared-capable. That That's good because I was going to say, if you just take regular HD photos, you're not going to capture any UFOs. Right. I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah, we yeah. may still see something. We may. But then again, now we got that chance that's going to be an infrared, too. So we will see that. But that also, makes a big difference, yeah. On board, we have a few other uh, instruments that's going to be on board, and one is is a magnetometer. Now mm-hmm. that magnetometer will uh, uh, will get a base reading as the satellite's up there in the beginning, and we'll and we'll know because we're going to get there's a magnetic field, so the magnetometer is going to fill up some. So it's basically like turning squelch up. Now we know it. Now anything that interacts or anything a ship comes in and a little bit of a magnetic field, we're going to read that. And we also have on board a scintillation counter. The scintillation counter is uh, basically it will be able – it's a Geiger counter, and it will be able to detect high-energy particles, radiation, and other phenomena that may show up in that. Is it going to record video or just pictures? It's just pictures, yeah, unless we raise uh, an ungodly amount more money. I mean, we'd have to – for the satellite to be an HD camera like what's on the – uh, space station, a uh, constant, you know, video feed. Data mm-hmm. costs would be huge. It's extremely huge. And and I think also, Dave, not to cut in, but this is kind of 1.0. <laughs> this represents a lot more than what it, this thing's actually going to do. I, 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 and I'm not disappointed, but why I'm hearing, you know, I mean, we live in such a strange world right now where, you know, you're starting to see commercials where and news stories about Domino's Pizza delivering pizza by drone. Yeah. You know, and I heard that. <laughs> you can have your own drone now, and there's drone aficionados and clubs, and I mean, oh, Amazon is going to start doing that. By the way, Jesse, they're, they're going to start de- delivering packages with a drone. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a new thing now. Have you seen the uh, vo- the footage of that yet? I mean, that, that's amazing yeah. to me because yeah. this is taking 
There's a there's a show that I've been watching on Netflix uh, recently. I think it's an older show, but it's called like Black Mirror or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know if anyone's seen it, but yeah. it basically is almost like a modern technology uh, Twilight Zone episodic show. But everything's just sort of in the future, maybe, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just amazing because you can just see the evolution, and that's what's going on. It's it's this osmosis evolution of gadgetry. You turn around, and all of a sudden, like you just said, your Amazon product got delivered by drone. Yeah. Ain't that I amazing, mean, though? The technology is coming a long way. Look at I that. I love technology. Us citizens yep. are going to have our own our own satellite. But here, and, and, and hear me out for two seconds, is that where you're bridging the gap here, I think, Dave Schock, is, and your team, is that you're saying, okay, look, you know what? Ufology has not ro- arisen to the occasion technologically at all because you've been stifled. We have been stifled. We've been cut yes. out. right? We've been blocked. We've been told to go home, and we've been told that we don't matter, and we're not on the need-to-know lists. And so we're just supposed to go home and just wait for them to tell us whatever they're going to tell us whenever they're going to tell us. And mm-hmm. so right. this means a lot more than uh, just the fact that it's a cube going into space. And I think 1.0 is what we're talking about here. But let's just fast forward for a couple minutes and play uh, play Brainstormer uh, mm-hmm. and think about what 2.0 could actually mean. And that gets really exciting, doesn't it? If you have more budget and if you have more people involved. I mean, you said you reached out to some Hollywood folks. Did you go to um, – and again, I'm not trying to uh, Monday morning quarterback this thing. I think it's amazing. But did did you approach Bigelow? Did you approach uh, – you said you talked to Ackroyd or you, you, you uh, tried well, to get I got, involved. Tried to, yeah. I, I really – I haven't approached any of them now on this project. It's not Branson. a bad – uh, I mean, Branson, have you ever tried to actually send the man an he email? He has not returned any of my phone calls. Yeah. Well, right. and he's, he's involved because, in his own yeah. thing with SpaceX, I think it's well, called. Well, right? he's involved in healing right now because he wiped out the other day. You heard that, didn't you? I saw uh, that, yeah. yeah, he wiped out on a bicycle and crammed his face and everything. Yeah, he's... <laughs> he yeah. messed himself up, poor guy. Yeah, he but is, he's an expensive wipeout. Yeah. He's human. That's the, all yeah. I learned from yeah. that story. Is that actually, actually, he's a pretty good man. fella. Uh, I uh, uh, Years ago, I'd sent a message to him when he was just getting started on some of this stuff, and I actually did get a letter back from him about really? uh, space stuff. Yeah, I actually did. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but that was in uh, oh, around 2000, you know, a long time ago. Was it was actually a, up. Was it a warm letter, or he, he actually wrote the letter? Uh no, he actually wrote it. Uh, it looks like he actually did. Fantastic. Uh, nice guy. Uh, he was really a darn a nice guy. But nowadays, try to send an email to them people, and it goes through 15 people's hands. And the moment they see anything about that word, UFO, delete, poof, gone. Well, you that's know the that. thing. We've talked about this a lot on this program throughout the years, which is, okay, you get to be – if you guys remember a guy named uh, Joe Firmage? I know I know who Joe is. I've actually had contact with his people uh, when I uh, started my uh, original project. Yep. Okay, so a guy like Joe Firmage, here's a guy uh, for for the guys who don't know out there, uh, sells U.S. Web in the uh, inception of the internet for a trillion dollars, and decides to do pet projects just because he can, just like you know, Cuban buys the Mavericks. 
Same kind of deal. Just because he can. I'm going to go buy a basketball team. Why not? Right? Funny money. And that's what this guy did, except, except he decided to go after some more metaphysical type subject matter, and he crossed paths with this incredible pit of darkness, this rabbit hole that sucks the life out of you if you take it too seriously sometimes. And his money. And your money, and can also turn on you in a heartbeat and label you as a psycho, whack nut, a la so many people we've seen come and go. And he came and went. And uh, to this day, he really has not done anything in the space. And these people pop up. You see it right now. Like now uh, the Blink-182 kid is saying he's the guy. He's the conduit. He's the guy. He's He's the guy. I know. Yep, Tom DeLong. Tom, whatever his fucking name is. I mean, really? Um, I mean, where you been? But thank God you're here, right? Because you're going to solve the whole – you're going to crack the case. I mean, give me a freaking yeah. break. Uh, yeah. It's not going to happen that way, guys. But yeah, he's writing how a series of books happen? that's going to do it all, supposedly. I just, oh, I don't know. This, this happens every star. few years. A, 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 a layman, a guy from the mainstream, will come in and say, oh, this is totally solvable. I know some people. And sure enough, that never goes anywhere. And they made a few bucks and boogied. Or, yeah, or they just got the bug. I mean, everybody gets the bug. That's yep. why we're here. You know, for me, yeah, it, see, it really Yeah, see, I've heads in the ufology, and uh, I think there is many that say, wow, this is a great idea. Like, when I started my original project for $200 million, I, uh, I butted heads with a lot of them that say, this is a great idea, but if you pay me, I'll do this or that for you. And uh, uh, there's a few of them that said that. Recently, you know, they if I pay them, they'll help. But uh, you know, there's a lot of. Them. What if we do find something? There goes their bread and butter. No more tours of talking about UFOs or books. We done blow their their whole money deal. So a lot of them don't want this to come out. They'd rather just keep this under wraps so they can keep writing books and making a fortune on this. Huh. So you think that there's some folks out there that you've banged heads with that uh, think that this is something they'd rather not see happen? Yeah. Oh, of course. Gosh, then their bread and butter's gone. No more books talking about. I never this. thought of it yep. that way. I just figured oh, anybody yes. involved in the subject would want to support you full throttle. In fact, if yep. I was MUFON, I'd want a little MUFON plaque on the side of that, and I'd be willing to pony up a couple grand for that. Well, mm-hmm. MUFON didn't uh, give us any money, but they did uh, advertise for us some, and they wrote a big article come out in the MUFON journal. I guess I didn't see the journal. I'm going to copy. But uh, it also, they on their uh, MUFON's main page, they had it up front on the main page for quite a while, and then it's it's buried there in their article how somewhere. Did you, how do you think you guys got a license? You say you got to apply for something like this, right? You can't just launch something into orbit, correct? Well, yes and no. Now, here's the thing on that. Uh, this is an international project, so the U.S. can't put their foot down. Uh, yeah, a company out of the U.S. will be launching it. But we're an international team, and uh, there's no one country that can say, you know, the U.S., they, they, they control all that to death. You know, uh, it is amazing. There was a company or a group, you know, the X Prize. Uh, they have one. Google's got an X Prize going on. Yes. The first ones that can send something to the moon, grab a handful of shit, and send it back. Well, 
<laughs> uh, there's a company that is going to do it, and uh, they're setting up to do it. They had to have written permission from the U.S. to land on the moon. Why? Really? Why? Who owns the damn moon? I mean, why? Who does uh, own the moon? Right. Yeah. Who owns okay. the moon? Well, you know what? The moon is uh, probably one of the biggest mysteries in, in the universe mm-hmm. to, to us Earthlings, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And as soon as you hear a guy like John Lear talking about the moon, you're like, whoa, what do we do? And in fact, you know, that's actually an interesting point that you bring up about the moon um, mm-hmm. is that, you know, so many folks, so many regular Joes that will talk to me during the work week, if they bring up the moon or something like that, uh, they really don't have any good explanation or answer for why we didn't go back to the moon and all the possibilities that would exist today if we had built some of the structures that we had been talking about building in the Von Braun era, correct? So this is of interest to me personally because I usually can't really define a good answer for why NASA decided to uh, leave the moon, quote-unquote. Can you enlighten us on, on anything else related to that, Dave? Well, it does kill me that they stopped all of a sudden because we had quite a few Saturn uh, fives all set back in the yeah. day. I mean, we was ready to go still. Hmm. They had 18 and 19 scheduled to go. Astronauts were even set and have been trained and things. Now, a lot are saying, and the official thing is, that they wanted to spend money on a reusable rocket, which basically became the space shuttle. They, because that's when they began designing it. It was around '72 when they quit. After all the landings and things, around then uh, they wanted to do it the shuttle, and uh, that's why they quit that and devoted all their time and attention to developing the shuttle. And we didn't go basically nowhere for gosh, nearly almost ten years. '81 when we took the shuttle up the first time. Right, but why didn't the Russians go? I mean, to this day, why haven't they landed on the moon? I know. You yeah. can't get a straight answer. You can't get an answer that makes sense mm-hmm. when you break down the data about why they didn't go. And then you start hearing about Van Allen, and you hear about these other issues, and you go, well, you know what? That stuff kind of makes sense because we haven't gone back there, and there's every reason in the world to be back there. So well, I think is- the, the, rush, you know, the, the Russians might be a financial issue. I mean, no. they were coming out of the Cold War. No, they were coming out of the Cold War, and, and Russia, you know, for all the, you know, the, the, the money they might have hidden, uh, I don't think they put in a, a lot of stock into the space program back in the 80s and 90s. You know, this, maybe now in the near future, but, but look, for a long the Rus- time, they just they didn't care. I, I disagree only because the Russians, uh, like you brought up, were, were far ahead of us, okay? Uh, when we decided to jump in with John Kennedy and, and try to yeah, they're the, I, I understand that, but still, you know, once we thought. went to the moon, when we went, when we went to the moon, that was the end of the game for them. It wasn't the end. By the, the way, game. Dave, you got to stop moving because you're moving around too much and it's popping all over the place. Yeah, yeah the like problem that. was I'm trying to get the the old lady turn off the fans. I seen that you said something about there was some noise, so we're going to try that. It's quiet now. Yeah, just stop uh, playing Dance Dance Revolution. You'll be good. There you go. That that would help. Now, getting back to your point, Angel, uh, if we want to go to space right now, we have to hitch a ride with the Russians for years. Okay, Right. Right. And what my point is is that they've never been disinterested in space. They're always have been incredibly uh, on. No, but it's not. It's not a thing about it. It's not about interest. It's about finances. Now they're more into because they have the finances to do it. But eighties 
early nineties of Why financial. They done it now? Well, that's a different question. I guess that's my point: is that no one can yep. come up with a really good answer. Now, keep in mind NASA's uh, answer to why we didn't go back to the moon to uh, at the time, I believe, was that they thought that the public was disinterested and that they were interrupting soap operas too much when the astronauts were. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I heard that. Yeah, right. And, yeah. I mean, some of the most ridiculous excuses you've ever thought. So then along comes guys like John Lear. And this is why your product really, uh, and I say your product, but your invention, your creation, the satellite that we're talking about, um, which I think is a, uh, is, is, is just a brand new era for ufology if it's supported correctly. And, and you never know what's going to happen, but it's just 1.0. I have no expectations of this thing. And I, I hope you guys feel that way, uh, is that this thing goes into space. You did it. You know, you are able, like you said, to look at space unfiltered for the first time. Unfiltered for the first time. All of us can. Think about that. That's great. Yeah. You know, I mean. I'm excited. 2.0 of this thing, 3.0. David, talk about some of the things that you can envision a 2 or 3.0 being. Let's hope that we actually do see something. I know you've been mentioning the moon. We've been talking about the moon a little. Do you know that we can actually send one of these CubeSats to the moon, too, after this? That could be a project oh, okay. number two, uh, cool. and the cost of that isn't that much more. We could build the satellite and maybe add mm, twenty five thousand more or something like that, maybe, and we could get one of these to the moon. Now that, that would, would be, be something. That would yeah, be something. unfiltered. All these people from John Lear, Jose Escamilla, all of them. Hey, there we go. I don't know why we haven't done that one yet either, you know, but. Maybe that's uh, our next one. Maybe that's our next project. I am so sick of hearing remote viewers or psychics or other fucking bullshit artists come on and tell me what's going on there and all the other goddamn planets. I want to see it myself, and I I want to see it unfiltered. I don't want to see it through the Hubble, as beautiful as it may be. I want to see it through someone like you guys, where my trust is there, Mm -hmm. and I know... If I don't see anything, so what? The point is that I'm seeing space. You know, sometimes when I uh, can't sleep at night, I envision myself, and this is a little strange, but and, and, and how interesting, too, because I've done this for a long time now. I'm not very good at meditating because I can't clear my mind. So what I do is I put myself in a cube, and it's glass, okay? And of course, oh, it's, just, right. it's just my imagination, but I'm in space, and it the is final frontier. Right, and it's quiet. It's, it, obviously, there's He's no sound. He's boldly going where no Jesse's floating. gone before. Yeah. That's true. Here I go. And I'm in this glass cube, and I'm just floating. And, and, and it, it helps calm me. And that is something that space has always uh, represented to me. And I am frustrated at this point in my life, at the year 2016, that people like you and I still do not have access and that's a, the big word here, access. Mm, access, exactly. I, yeah. I, it makes me sick. We should have been having our flying cars, Jetsons, all that. 
we envisioned that in the 60s, that that's where we'd be by now, by the year 2000. It's 2016, and we're driving an old Volkswagen, and then it's just, it's just, just... Yeah, it is funny. I just, want, I just want a hoverboard. That's all I want, a freaking yeah, hoverboard, It is funny, because when you watch movies in, in years past, when you're watching the 80s and 70s and stuff, and they got to, like, the year 2000, they were showing all those things. I know it, and here we are all the way to... 2016. So you're right, David. It's very yeah. Well, uh, Lost in Space. That that time when they launched, it was supposed to be 1996. That was when Lost in Space was the the Jupiter two was launched, yeah. according well, to them. Well, that's what so, Star you know, uh, or uh, Star Trek, I think, was like in the 1990s too, or something, right? No, when they no, launched. No, 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 no. No, was, no hey, 21. Hey, uh, or 22-something, 22-something. Okay, 22nd right. century, yeah, going into the 23rd century. That's when Zechariah had his encounter, the first encounter. Yes, it was I late see. 21st, uh, somewhere around there. Yes, I'm a, nerd. I'm a nerd, yes, yes. 2172, it seems to remake. Believe it or not, I'm a Star Trek geek, so I actually do think, <laughs> I think it was 2172 when, uh, when uh, uh, Efron, Zechariah uh, Efron. Efron, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whenever uh, that was that happened, but uh, <laughs> Dave, but, let me right. let me get your opinion on something that's really sparked my interest over the weekend, which was this new signal that folks have detected. I, I heard about this, and do you know that that signal was found a year ago? It wasn't just happened. I yeah. did know, but that's yeah. about where my knowledge base went. I was yeah, hoping you bit, might be able to tell the listeners about it a little bit. Yeah, they've detected this signal, but. Uh, it's uh, like 94 light years away, in a, and uh, they're just jump. now starting to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's amazing that they're just now. I mean, uh, if, if they've known about this a year, why haven't they turned their little uh, radio telescopes to it and turned on for UHF, VHF, try to find some alien TV? Well, I guess. But who, who, who discovered it though? Was it uh, SETI? No, who discovered no, this thing. No, it's a group out of uh, Russia. And now it's been, I guess, uh, identified again, as you brought up. And this thing is really significant. The problem is, and we've had problems with SETI from the onslaught, which is nobody really believes that these guys are going to tell us if they find something anyway. That's right. SETI, right, I don't the, trust them, guys. Nobody I, trusts yeah. Shostak. No, I can't, I can't hardly stand that guy. I mean, that's right. I... I he is such a downer when it comes to UFO. He thinks we're crackpots, and he'll look at you and tell you, you're a crackpot. You're a fucking idiot. That's what he tell you. I mean, that's, that's the way role. he is. I, I don't like that. I don't like him. And <clears throat> SETI itself, they're not looking at the right signal. They're using a signal range that has to do with hydrogen. The whole program that they've been doing all these years, people think SETI's listening out there. They aren't listening all the way. They're listening in this little certain signal range. It has to do with the hydrogen atom, and that's goofier and crap. Why ain't they, like, you know, we just had that Proxima Centauri, 4.25 years away from us, that they found a planet orbiting Proxima Centauri. Now, that's our closest neighbor. That yep. is a, a spit from us i mean that's just a tiny distance away astronomical and it's it's a possible rocky and water planet and uh possible life could be man we should be turning our stuff towards that and listening but not listening in seti's way we have to listen for the old uhf vhf they may be young 
you know, we've been sending out TV signals in space for a long time now. I mean, right. they could be hearing it there mm-hmm. if they had antennas, or we could be listening and and aren't listening in the right frequency. They need to. They need. I, I heck with them. We well, need to do yes. this a little different. We do need that's to do truth. it differently. We do mm-hmm. need to do it without a filter, and that's what this represents. That's what this project is all about. It sure does. It sure so is. So let me ask you this. Let's put people in the driver's seat for a second. Let's say okay. I gave you 150 bucks on this Indiegogo. Let's get granular mm-hmm. for a second. Okay. Um, I paid my 150 Your thing shoots off. It's in orbit. All systems are go. Do I download a piece of software? How does this work where I get to go down into my basement here in my little office and I get to turn the lights off and I want to play with this gadget? What's it going to be like? Well, actually, I, that'll be a tough one to answer because Dave is the one that's writing all the software for everything. So, I'm, you know, it's still a, it's still in, a, in in the making. Don't go top post- secret on me, Dave. I just put yeah, you out there for uh, being no filter. Come on. I know. I, I'm trying not to. <laughs> I, I, what I understand, and I don't think it's going to be nothing as in you won't have to download anything. What I understand is basically that you'll just be able to go to our site. We will have a site in place at the time. You'll be able to to uh, log in. You'll have your own password and username. And then you'll have an option to uh, control the satellite, check out the data, this and that. You know, you'll be able to have real-time data and check in the Geiger counter, magnetometer, whatever uh-huh. else. You know, depending on how much we get is what we'll have on board. I mean, we may have a, a, a poop to counter or something goofy. You know, it's hard to say, but uh, anything right. We may be able to pile on there. The more money we get, the more we can throw into the thing. But well, you'll be able to log in and, and, and yeah. going to take a picture of your booth. There it is. I'm sure we won't have to have anyone download any kind of programs or anything. And we're going to make it simple for everyone. Okay. I would think that uh, possibly schools would be very interested in something like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're taking their own photos from space. See, uh, we just uh, I just basically uh, signed off on this today. We do have a media corporation that's going to be handling things now. They're going to handle advertising. They're actually going to advertise, and they are doing some TV production work too. So it looks like, you know, because we have a year till the launch, we do need to get all the money pretty well by the end of the year. So this media company, uh, they're going to handle all that. Okay, so, I have more more questions streaming into my brain. Okay, yeah. now what you're talking about is reminding me of Voyager, right? Um and it's reminding me of this uh, piece of gear that they attached, which was, um, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong here, but the, the record that they had made. Carl yes, Sagan, the gold-plated record, yes. The gold-plated record, where it had all kinds of groovy stuff on it that they had spent eons deciding what to put on this thing if uh, aliens had record players. And then they found out that they didn't. They were using uh, CDs, and it screwed everything up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, but the point yeah. I'm making is is that are you guys thinking about adding some sort of message that's going to be beaconed or, uh, you know, I, I'm talking out of left field here. No, have I you totally, thought about these I, things? And Yeah, and that is something that I, I have thought about as a way to communicate. We see something I'd love to be able to communicate, but having a transmitter on board for that, uh, it will, we're going to end I've up with... I've got a better with, idea. I've got a better idea. Okay, right. and now this is what's so beautiful about this. It's unfiltered brainstorming because yeah, here we right. are, the audience, myself, 
the host here can express an idea that actually might come to fruition. Who knows? Sure. But when if this gadget was able to have one side of it uh, be LED where you would be able to communicate messages just via lights? Is that yeah. something that would be possible where people could type messages or there were source phrasing or images that you could project, not project, but have uh, become visible on the side of this thing if it had a uh, screen of some sort? Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Uh, that is a good idea. But the uh, problem is uh, that I know what the construction is going to be there. And all four sides, every, every open, every possible space is going to have a solar cell on it. Yeah, because, and now I'm thinking yeah, version, version yeah, 3 here. You know. Yeah, because of nighttime, because uh, 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 half of the time on our orbit will be in darkness. So the problem is then we're using battery, and that's why we're only able to take a photo every five seconds. It's because of battery power. It you, it was going to be only, uh, uh, what was it, 10 seconds, but we have brought that down to now every five seconds. You know who's going to get a woody power. about this is uh, Hoagland. And I know he's yeah. kind of a bad word around here, but uh, I mean, he—he, he, you would think the guy would be super jazzed about something like this. Have you talked to him? No, I haven't. Uh, but there is someone that has been dying to get me hooked up with him and talk to him, get on the show. Well, yeah, but I mean, I this is right yet. up his alley. Yeah, yeah I know it is, and he'd love to see that moonshot. I'm sure too. Well, he wants to see that, and what he, where his 2.0 is, if I'm asking Dick, is going to be, hey. Uh, can we get this to take pictures of blah, blah, blah? And next thing you know, he's going to try to be uh, conning you into going over to Sidonia. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, I mean, but there's plenty of stuff on the moon, of course, that yep. can keep us busy in mystery land for the rest yeah, of time. Yeah, him and his Mars, I know. Hey, ladies, uh, I thought well, about that, too. Wouldn't that be interesting? They, hey, they're actually, I just heard this, too. They're sending uh, uh, some cube satellites to Mars. <laughs> they're being well, sent yeah nasa's doing it for uh, uh how many times has nasa launched something over to mars and it's gotten uh i don't know people claim they've been shot down they've been lost as you brought up yeah um, yeah and there th- here we are launching stuff and again it's not easy but is yeah. it worth it to the average joe to be putting your tax money into that i don't think so because we don't get the information we don't get the data i know okay. that they, so, they spent so much. I mean, every launch to the space station, and the space station itself, it's a half a trillion dollars, if not more. It's hard to say now. But uh, Is anybody that, on this call yeah. interested whatsoever in the International Space Station anymore? I mean, I'm not trying to be cynical. No. That's my because, nature at this point. No. No. no I, I would love to go. Oh, yeah. trust me, I'd love Good to morning. have a ride, but well, we yeah, you all can hit should ride be with able to. Something. Yeah, <laughs> we all you know, should be able the- to go. I mean, the, the denial of us being able to go to the space and the way that it is now, our technology should have been a lot farther than that. Computers Don't come a long you think way. Our prior- when you talk about priorities, right, this is where I have a problem with NASA and most mm-hmm. of our space endeavors, is that the single most important priority I always thought would be to find other life. Yeah. Okay, so that's where you would steer all the boats. That's where you would put all the funds. Not trying to figure out what kind of rock is on I, Jupiter, whatever. I, I don't care right now. Cut in and said that just then about a rock too. I would same here. You I know, don't that, care. that's the truth. Yeah, I don't care. And I don't think that helps us move the needle forward. What I think it is is a sham. 
And what I think it is is about time for people like yourself and others who have the capabilities to start saying this is the way of the future. Because like we said, through osmosis, if you start showing a kid in school that a bunch of guys built this thing and launched it just because they wanted to, just because they dreamed that they wanted an unfiltered view of space to possibly look for extraterrestrial intelligence. That kid's going to grow up, and he's going to believe so many other things are possible that nobody else in our generation would have thought possible. That's how we grow, and that's how we make change. It's not going to happen quickly. It's not going to happen like Bassett says. It's not going to happen because Hillary Clinton's going to be forced into it, and John Podesta's going to tell her when to make the right tweet. I don't believe any of that shit. I really don't. I find it incredibly entertaining, but I don't give it a lot of credence. I really don't. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, guys. And we're going to be here, okay? So when the election goes down and Hillary has a uh, – she wins by landslide, which she will. Yeah, okay? she's not. No way. It's not going to happen. Uh-uh. Well, nope. we, have a, oh. we have a bet on the side, so I, I don't really – Yeah, not happening. Right. The point being hmm. is that when disclosure does not happen again, it's not – one of these situations, the part that bothers me is is that people get deflated, the, 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 the wind out of their sails. And you can only take so much through the years of, like I said, you're a bug. You're not on the need-to-know list. You can't know. You can go to Area 51. You paid for Area 51, but you can't know what goes on at Area 51. Even 60 years ago, you can't know what has happened here, what we have done, what laws we may have broken, who we may have killed, etc., etc. So it becomes very frustrating. And this represents a new era. And that's why I think we need to start turning. This is exactly what I was talking about when we started this program. And we said we have to look to alternative means. And is that the CE5 protocol? Is it going out with big lights and trying to flash down people? Is it like people like the remote viewers and the and the channelers and these other kind of gobbledygook guys who say they can do X, Y, Z? I don't know. But we have to start looking at these people because the mainstream solutions are not there for us right now because of our technological limitations. You are busting right through that, mister. Yep. Uh, I love it. Uh, I tell you, I, I, I'm excited, and we've really garner, garnered a lot of excitement. Even Stanton Freeman loves the project when I met him. They're all for it. And many of the uh, people in the business, from Chase Kletsky, she donated. Uh, a lot of people in the biz has. Uh, I don't see uh, why you They wouldn't. all love it. Yeah, they I mean, love it. Let's, let's put it this way. A guy like Paul Allen. Vulcan mm-hmm. Ventures, uh, a million things these guys these guys have done. Funny money, where they can just play with a project, Firmage, whoever. doesn't matter. If I was in that position, I always said to myself that if I wasn't going to be backing guys like you, I'd want to be playing around with some of these kind of things, and I sure as hell wouldn't be afraid. But, but they are afraid. So that's when things get scary, because you say to yourself, if you're Steven Spielberg, and you're worth, I don't know, $2 billion or something? Who knows? Yeah. Let's just say he's worth a billion. Who cares? It doesn't make any uh, matter to this equation here. But basically, if you're a Steven Spielberg, you have all the money in the world, and you know everybody in town, and you make profit off of this one subject for how many years, you toy around the line, 
through every motion picture and television series you do. You sort of scamper around and, 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 and make these claims within movies, but as soon as somebody approaches you to speak about this on a real level, on an important level, on a game-changer level, you shut up, you clam up, whether you're a president, whether you're a rich person, whether you're Hollywood elite, and that is the million-dollar question. You know, Why are these people clamming up? Why are they so afraid of this topic? I don't know if that's something we can answer, but one would think behind the scenes they would want to support something like this. Yeah, it would be great to get some of these Hollywood folks on board. It's getting a message to these people from James Cameron and people like... James Cameron. Oh, my God. Yeah, James Cameron. Yeah, I mean, he's so rich, and he loves all this kind of cool tech. Him and his uh, deep-sea thing, you know, he flew, went down to the... Uh, to the Marianas Trench and his little submarine. and yeah. I mean, this guy is really into everything. But like you say, I would approach him and actually get word to him instead of through some other handler that deletes it or says you're a crackpot. Uh, they would probably, like you said, clam up. Oh, no, no. Can't deal with that. No, we don't do that. You know, I mean, does I every, see it. Well, I think James Cameron actually was a much better uh, example than a Spielberg. Uh, right, what a terrific right. example of a guy who would be interested in something like this. But at the end of the day, I, th- I think, you know, the question is to everybody on this call, too. I mean, are we sick of being totally shut out of the real ufology? Don't you feel that way? As though there is a real ufology that exists every day, but oh, nobody yeah. on this call is allowed to be a part of it. Am I right here? That is right. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, I've been trying for, well, 2008 when I really started uh, wanting to get a satellite up. So I'm, you know, here another couple of years, I'm going to be up 10 years. I've been trying to do this, you know, by the time yeah, this launches, you know. it'll be about 10 years. I have been working to try to do this and take this into our own hands for us, the people and, and have unfiltered space for ourselves. Unfiltered you know? space. Yeah. yeah, it's so vast. You know, you go outside, you look up every night. I do when I'm with my 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 animal, my dog, and I just I, I'm blown away every time I look up. Oh, it yeah, doesn't change. Too. It doesn't change. It's been 44 years. It still hasn't changed. Everybody, it's still as amazing and unknown as it was when I was five. And yeah, that we got is great skies just, here. <laughs> I live and in Sedona, it, if you know where Sedona, Arizona is. Sure, I've been there. I've been there a few times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, look, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Sedona or the Oregon coast or wherever. It doesn't really matter. It, it or or if it's the James Gilliland Ranch or if uh, or, or if it's the Billy Meyer Farm, right? Right, Angel? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. But my point is, is that if <laughs> Billy liars, if you're listening to this program <laughs> and you don't like technology, or if you love technology, this is something. This CubeSat satellite, check it out on Indiegogo. Uh, I think we've really covered most of the basics here. I hope that you got the word out enough on the show tonight, David. Just yeah, everybody, uh, go to CubeSat.tech. It'll take you to the Indiegogo campaign. You can read through. There is a, a lot of good information, some photos, and there's a video that uh, Dave Cote put together of an interview of him on the news and some other things cool. uh, there. It's a good video to watch and learn a little bit about it. But uh, Why don't you just keep us posted, if you would? Oh, did I interrupt yeah. you, Chris? Go ahead. No, I didn't say anything, huh? Oh, I agree with everything you just said. Um, okay. Dave, if uh, 
if you would, <laughs> keep in touch with us. We want to hear all the updates. How do we get uh, – do you guys uh, have Twitter, I would imagine? Uh, yeah. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, gosh darn. You know, I don't even know what my Twitter thing is. I don't Yeah, yeah. I, think I know. I want to be able to. It, one of the interesting things about this concept is you got you got to keep promoting it. And you guys know that you got to got to keep it out there mm-hmm. so people know that it's still going and that what this really represents. And I know that you, funds are limited, so you can't have a you know million dollar movie on your Indiegogo, which is of course one of the big things people see is your movie. And I'm sure you guys worked hard on it, but you can tell it's not a million dollar budget because you don't have a million dollar budget. So right. there's no CGI, there's no special effects crew. This is real, kids. So if you're getting bored of sci-fi or if you're really frustrated with why ufology has been tanking for the past 10 years, here's something new. Here's something you can support. And on that note, I'm going to let you go, Dave. I know you. Do you have another show tonight you're doing, did you say? No, no I uh, did that earlier today. Yeah, it was a pre-record of a show. Pre-record? What? Yeah. Yeah, who does pre-records? Really? Pre-record. Who's who's that loser? God. Yeah, I, yeah, it's uh. Dang. Well, they knew I was going to be doing another show, and uh, actually, it's on right now, on another oh. network. Okay. Wait, so yeah. you're competing against yourself on I'm the air right now? That's weird. Myself right now. Like a parallel universe. Plus, I start. Wow. The show on mind blown next week. Uh, I'm wait, gonna, wait, I'm wait, be doing wait, a weekly show. Yeah, You're doing have, a show? Yes, I have a weekly yep. show starting. Well, your uh, show. What are you doing? Where is week, it at? It's going to be called uh, The Shock Factor with Dave Shock. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, The Shock Factor. It's going to be on the X-Zone Broadcasting Network. Uh, it's a uh, Rob McConnell and uh, the X-Zone. Never heard of him. Sure, I'm, uh, never heard of him. Yep. Yeah, he's been in biz forever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> I just like to goof around. I love yeah, all I, these guys, to be honest with you. I even yeah. like Don Ecker, and he's a grouch potato. But he's terrific. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's always but been I a start guy, next, but he's uh, terrific. I got my own show here starting in a week. They asked me to do it and uh yeah, it'll be good. It'll get and they want it they're gonna be handling all of our media and advertising too, their network and production company. So uh they're getting the word out. They know Hollywood okay. people, so yeah. Alright, well keep us posted. Thanks for being on the program. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh yeah, you got to express yeah. yourself, and uh, I hope you can see the excitement level. We try to support each other. I know there's a lot of uh, fighting within the ranks at times, but sometimes you got to step up to the plate and just support something. Because if we don't start doing that more often, kids, we're going to have this subject that people will say, "Oh yeah, whatever happened to that? What happened to ufology?" Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just mm-hmm. where it is right now, which is as stagnant and stale as you can get in 2016. No one could have ever envisioned that. Am I right, gentlemen? That's You're right. So pretty much. Yeah, right. Pretty we got to bail. We've got a guest next week. We've got a guest lined up the week after. We've got so many cool people lined up because of the Honorable Chris J. Brown and company. This yep. is Jesse Randolph. So, by the way, next yes. week will be... Uh, if everybody's wanting to be here because he's willing to do it, it's Harry Drew. And so he will be on and um, on a Labor Day uh, holiday, I guess it is, right? Labor Day, yes, exactly. Yes. We will be okay. here. Everyone, thank you for listening tonight. You've been listening to Euphonaut Radio on the PSN Radio Network. 
Uh, this is Jesse Randolph signing off, Angel of Ufology, as well as the Honorable Chris J. Brown, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, Dave Shock. Thank you very Thanks, much for Dave. having me. Talk Great. soon, buddy. Okay. <laughs>